Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love that so far. Good morning. This is uh, the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning to you. When you woke up this morning, you knew you were in Texas. It was cold, and you say, man, what happened to that beautiful, sunshiny weather? I don't know about you, but it just seemed like, what, one, maybe two days in between the cold and the hot? What happened? I don't know. I woke up one morning, and we had ice sleet yesterday, and I'm thinking, uh, well, you know, if you know what they say about Texas, they say, you don't like the weather, wait one minute. <laughs> well, good morning to you. It's nice to see you all. God bless you in there for visiting with us this morning. We want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out the little visitor card you find in front of you. Please place it off your plate. We'll come around for you as you as you visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. Ask you to consider being right here at Sanctuary with us next Sunday. Come and join what God is doing at Rockland Avenue Baptist Church. Lots of things happening. I want to share with you what's going on this week. So with that being said, I have a little cheat sheet this morning because so much is happening. Today, after services, church, uh, about, I guess it's at uh, 3.30 to 5.30, we'll be concluding our Thanksgiving Country Basket Outreach. So some of the youth groups are going to uh, meet up here with Sister Amber, our family coordinator. And so we're going to be giving out those Thanksgiving baskets. Please do a prayer for us in that. If you want to volunteer in that, we can use your help in that as well. So that's going to be 3.30 to 5.30. Uh, today, also, church, this evening, church, We'll start a little early. It's going to start at 5.30 because we'll be watching a movie, a powerful movie called The Enemy Within the Church. So plan to come and be a part of that. And it's a documentary on what's been happening inside some of our mainstream traditions. And yes, the Southern Baptist Convention is in that, so you need to be aware of that and see what's happening there. It's a powerful, powerful documentary, and we hope to conclude that this evening. Uh, today's choir practice, uh, the practice, in the sanctuary at 4.30. Is that right, Brother Robert? So 4.30 here today. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, you need to be here today and get involved in that. Uh, youth group will be meeting on Tuesday at 6 o'clock at Pastor's house in my house for a uh, continuation of our movie night. Our first movie night, we watched the mark on Friday night. A lot of fun. There's some pictures going around. Kids had more fun than I did. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But they want to get together and watch the mark part two. They said, what's the mark? Well, it's a story about the mark of the beast, and so we have a lot of fun with that, uh, and they want to finish part two, so that starts Tuesday at 6, we're going to have pizza, and I need your prayers, amen? All right, I want to remind you also that Wednesday, November 23rd, there'll be no service in the Robert Stanley Baptist Church, the reason why is because a lot of folks will be home uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving, making those pecan pies, pumpkin pies, uh, sweet potato pies, buttermilk pies, cherry pies, and pies, you know where my heart is, amen? Pastor, do you like pie? Yeah. It's cheesecake. I love it as well. So those are things that uh, our church usually does. We can't throw on tradition that, that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So stay home and enjoy that time with your family. Uh, the office also will be closed that Wednesday. Today, after services, I want to ask that you will consider staying for just a few minutes after services. We're going to gather together and do one final prayer over our shoebox right after services today. So Come down the aisle and get saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right after that, we're going to pray two shoeboxes. So let's ask God's blessing on that. And then, of course, tomorrow at 11, they'll be leaving out on the U-Haul truck. And so DJ is asking that all of us would descend. We'll gather together for that prayer there to say goodbye to our shoeboxes. We're praying that God would use them to His glory 
and be able to use them to the missionary hands in those countries and places and villages that it's going to. Saturday, December 3rd, which is coming up really quick, uh, we'd like to get together just as a group. Don't need to sign up or anything like that. And perhaps visit the Main Street Bethlehem display in Burnett. So uh, we'd like to leave about 3.34 o'clock. It starts at anywhere between 6 and 9 once you get in. I think it's about a two and a half hour wait in line to get in. If you want to go with the church and be interested in that, then of course you can meet us there on third uh, week in the parking lot. Uh, last but not least, there's still sign-ups available, quick places available to go to the OCC processing center in Dallas. So look outside the foyer, there's a sign-up sheet. Right across, as you left this main door here, right across is a sign-up sheet. There's still a few um, sheets there. I'm going myself this year. Unfortunately, uh, those that day have been all signed up. But if you uh, want to get involved in that, there are some days still available to sign up and come and be a part of that. See what happens once the shoe box hit Dallas and help pack them up there and volunteer in that time frame. It is a powerful, powerful experience. So I think that's about it of our extra announcement. But I want to share with you something neat coming up. Um, I want to remind you of the Ugly Sweater Contest coming up December 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. in our fellowship hall. Uh, our children's Chicago will be coming up December 11th at 6 p.m. in the evening, and our adult Chicago will be happening December 18th. So I think that's it for our announcements. I think that's all of them. I uh, want to thank each and one of you that helped and been part of our prayer breakfast yesterday. It was quite a blast thing. So if you haven't been to one of our prayer breakfasts yet, I want to invite you and encourage you to do that. Our message was brought by Robert Wade yesterday. It was a blessing and it edified each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that next month in our prayer breakfast. Uh, we had a wonderful security team meeting where the CD runs that. If you're interested in getting in touch and be a part of our church security, for the CD to God to get with. And then, of course, our admin team met as well. So be in prayer for us as we start to pick up what's going to happen next year at Robert's Magazine. All right, with that being said, yes, ma'am, Thank you very much, Amber. Uh, you guys heard her pretty well. If you didn't, though, Operation Chicken Shop Collection will happen still. You can drop the two boxes off today between 1 and 3. And there is one more thing about uh, Operation Chicken Shop. Today is the, the theme box judging. Is that right, Eugene? So, theme box judging between 1 and 3. And I'm telling you right now, Betsy's got it in the bag. Amen? Probably not. But uh, either way, uh, if you have a theme box, get it in today by 1 o'clock so it can be judged. So pray for your judges. It's a fun time. It's a neat thing. And so we can't wait to see who the winner is this year. But if there's any other announcements, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? All right, let's pray together. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. I'm thanking you for being in your house this morning. Bless us even now, Father God, as we get ready to worship. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be able to worship you in Jesus' spirit. May your spirit fall like rain today. May you lay aside any of our cares, any of our concerns, anything that's bothering us, Lord God, and let us just concentrate on you this morning and worship you. I pray for those who are out traveling, for those who are homesick, Lord, and for those, Father God, who just seem to not be able to recover from a tough week, Lord, that beat them up. I pray, Lord God, that they do today, they get up and say, you know what? I'm going to be in God's house. Let them come, Father God, and I ask you to bless them even now. Lord, as we worship you, may your name be glorified. May it be lifted up and exalted. May we leave here today saying it's good to be in your house. Y'all please rise and welcome one another.
make your way back to your seat. I do have something special I want to share with you. Sister Stephanie, would you come share with us, please? Yeah. 
everybody, I'm Brogan Hall, and I'm here with Randy here. Randy, how's it going? Good, Brogan, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah? So, I got a couple questions for you. What you got? My first one is, I mean, of course, I'm not old enough to volunteer yet, but what can kids like me do to help out? How old are you? Um, I'm 11. You're 11? I'm 47 and a half. So, 11-year-olds are not yet old enough to work in our processing center, but what 11-year-olds can do is go back home and tell their friends about packing shoe box gifts.
morning. We're doing things a little different this morning since Lynn's not here. So if you join me, please, we'll sing the love of God.
good morning. Comforting thought to me. <laughs> Comes to mind when you hear that word comforting. When I was growing up, uh, my my family had some strange rules. And some of you might say, uh, Josh, you're the strangest guy I ever met. And that's been told to me several times since I've been here. Uh, but let me just be honest with you, we had some strange, strange rules that I still don't understand to this day growing up. Some of you may be able to understand this, but uh, when I was growing up, I remember. We, uh, we first got a comforter, and what I'm talking about this morning is something that every man in this room knows about. And if you're watching this online, you may know about this as well, what a comforter is. comforter, in my mind, was a, a bedspread, a wonderful, thick, luxurious, beautiful bedspread. Well, I remember we went out, my family went out one day, and I, I think we were at Steve's and Jason Jr., somewhere around there, uh, and we came across a display of comforters and how wonderful they were. And I remember my mom telling my dad, we have got get one of these comforters. And my dad agreed, yeah, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. Well, they uh, put together their money and they came home with a wonderful comforter set. And I remember the first time they were put on my parents' bed. Everybody gathered around, took a look at that and like, oh, gee, wow, Mom, yeah, who cares, you know? But, uh, <laughs> well, I was just a kid at the time, you know, I didn't care about that. Uh, but I remember when my dad got home, my dad got home for that first day of work after they got that comforter, and he went into the bedroom, and that comforter was gone. And I remember what he said. He said, somebody stole our comforter. And, you know, every man in the room knows what I'm talking about right now, because that is the difference between men and women. Every one of you would say the same thing. Somebody stole our comforter. Now, women, you already know what happened, don't you? Now, I remember my mom went into the room. She said, somebody stole our comforter. That comforter is for looks only. looks only, huh? That's just when people come over to see that, right? So, what was more to me is, you know, the old bedspread is put back on the bed, you know? Uh, but what comes to mind when you hear the word comforter? Maybe something like this. Can you get that up here? There we go. That's something comforting to you, a mother and her child. When I think of comfort, that's usually something that pops in my mind. A mother child. How about this? Father and his child. Is that comforting like this? Comfort has all kinds of meanings. has all kinds of uh, real definitions and I, I use that loosely. So. Comfort isn't always what you think it is to be. We like to think of it as something someone consoling you. That kind of comfort. Comfort is sometimes encouragement. Comfort is sometimes and you need to do this and let me push you on. In fact, if you were a historian, you might have seen the picture of James I. Now, if you're an uh, English history fan, James I is the one 
of the King James Bible. 1611, where there's a picture of him partying his troops in the battle with the sword, poking them in the back, saying, Go on, get in battle! And the title of it is James I, comforting his protection. Well, with that kind of comfort, who needs hate? Amen? <laughs> but it depends on what you call comfort. Most of us think of something like this, though, and we think of comfort, don't we? Of course, you might be thinking, I love that bright, shiny sunshine outside. That's, that's probably Florida, not Texas, right? Uh, especially this time of year. And if you're in Texas, though, this time of year, you might have a, a roaring fire somewhere as well. So, what comes to mind when you think of comfort? Well, this morning, we're going to look at several passages that speak of the comfort church. Now, as a reminder, though, many modern translations of the Bible have different ways of saying comfort. But they are all translated from the same root word. Some would translate it not just comforter, but helper or something of that nature. You might have a translation that has a little bit different than me this morning, and that's okay. In fact, it comes from the Greek word parakletos. Parakletos. In fact, love it when I get to teach Greek, so I want y'all to get excited a little bit this morning. So you can act like you're really happy and excited. You know, when the temperature goes down, the amens go down too. You know that? When the temperature gets cold outside, attendance goes down. Well, that is historically accurate in every church in Texas. When it gets cold, we stay home. When it gets too hot, we stay home. When it gets too rainy, we stay home. On Christmas and birthdays, we stay home as well. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, when I get to teach on Greek, it excites me. So I want y'all to get excited. Please get excited. But I love little Greek letters. This word is called parakletos. And what it really means is an intercessor or a consoler, an advocate. Or in this context, if you have an old King James Bible, comforter. Not to confuse anyone, we use here at Lovecraft Baptist a new King James Version. And we translate that. As helper. The old King James translated it as comforter. So you might be asking me, which one is better, Pastor? Neither, actually. Because both are absolutely positively correct. Parakletos comes from two words. Parakletos together. Para means alongside of. Kletos means called or invited. In fact, Jesus often taught us in parable. And he would lay aside that terrible, you see that far up right there, uh, alongside of. In other words, Jesus would lay out a truth, and he would give a teaching alongside of that truth. Let me give you an example of that, the parable of the good sower. He would give us the story of the sower, and inside of that, or alongside of it, he would lay truth out. Para, parable. Jesus taught parable. Parable means alongside of. The comforter, the helper, is alongside of. Of us. means to be called and invited. And the picture I want you to see this morning is Jesus called that Holy Spirit to be next to his children, to be next to his believers. But I want you to know this morning that you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the right, you have the ability, you have the need to call for the Holy Ghost to be beside you, to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. In fact, we need to start listening to Him. Somebody say amen this morning. 
We need to put Him back in our lives. Let's begin in John 14, verses 16 and 17. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning, and let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Shall we, Father? Come to that Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. Your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that this morning, Lord, you cut down into our hearts, cut down into our lives. Father God, it could be anyone who needs to know your personal Lord and Savior, or anyone who needs to get their heart right with you. We'd like to save you that day. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. I'm reminded, before we get into our scripture today, I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, said, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. As he began to disclose the picture of what the suffering servant would be, what he would do, how he would come, how he would comfort his people. Comfort ye, my people. And I can't help but think of the Holy Ghost comforting us, reminding us that one day Jesus Christ is coming back. And I don't know about you, but that is great. Comfort to me. Amen. He's coming back and he's coming back soon. Look with me, John 14, 15, 17. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And how many of you know that is one of the tasks, if you will, of a true Christian? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you better be doing what he said. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you might be saying, Oh, me. So make sure you say, Oh, me, when someone else says, Amen. So no one hears it, okay? <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. Now, I get uh, a little bit, when I, when I look at verse 16 here, I, I get a little bit, uh, a little bit of sound, if you will. Because usually, I see something like this, I will pray to the Father. When I see in verse 16, I will pray the Father. This is a little bit different than our usual prayer kind of word, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it. It's more of not just asking, but almost like I will beg. I will beg the Father. He will give you another helper. That's how we translate our New King James version here. Another helper. We have an old King James this morning. We say, Comforter. I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Remember now, this is another one. That means something else is already comforting us. And that's something we've forgotten. We've laid aside. We've put it on the shelf. We've put it in a box. We've wrapped it up. We've put it in a bag. And we have set it aside, never to see it again. We put it aside. In fact, it's one of the faults of today's church. We put aside a comforter, something that comforts us, something that brings great comfort. It's a great help to God's people. Jesus says, I'm going to pray the Father will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. Now, did you catch that? Did you catch that? Verse 17, the world doesn't know him. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. I don't know about you, but I can already start to see how I'm going to be comforted. That means I'm going to have the third person of the Trinity inside of me. Am I, am I talking too loud this morning? Did you catch that? God, the Holy Ghost, living inside of you. That's enough to get excited this morning. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Another helper, though, we're talking about. Another comforter. And like I said earlier, that implies that we already have a helper or comforter. We already have one. In fact, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us what it is. Remember how we started out there? If you love me, keep my commandments pretty comforting, isn't it? 
Folks would say, well, how is that comforting? Can I be honest with you for a second? How do you know a true Christian from a false Christian? Most people say, we don't know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. My Bible says we judge them by the fruit they bear. Can I get an amen this morning? We look at the trees. We look at the fruit they bear. If it's not bearing fruit, then it's probably not what it says it is. Or if it claims to you that it's an orange tree, but it is bearing coconuts, it's not an orange tree. Somebody say amen. In fact, you need to get a little bit excited this morning because the Holy Spirit, God, His Word is going to answer all those questions for us. When you start looking at real Christianity versus false Christianity, all you need to look at is the fruit that it bears. Incidentally, if it's a duck, it'll walk like a duck, talk like a duck, quack like a duck. Here we go in the year 2022. If it's a man, it knows what restroom to use. Somebody say amen. If it's a woman, it knows what restroom to use as well. <laughs> That's a big amen on that one right there. We already have, though, a comforter, and that comforter is God's law. It's there with us. It tells us right. It tells us wrong. It tells us what we're supposed to do. In fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm 19, verse 7, that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Let's take a look at that for a second. It's not in your PowerPoint, but let's just go off on a rabbit trail for just a second. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What is it that the Bible says is perfect that converts the soul? The law of the Lord does. Not your testimony. Now listen to me. Not things that you do. Not anything like that. But the law of the Lord is. What is it that comforts us and shows us we need God? Well, the law of the Lord is. That's what shows us we need God. What brought you to realize you needed God in your life? It was the law of the Lord. When you realize that you had done something that offended God, that's what brings you to salvation. Jesus tells us what it is. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love God, you're going to be keeping His commandments. If you love Him, you're going to be holding on to that. Incidentally, that's a picture of a real Christian or a false Christian. If they love Jesus, if they love God, if they love the Holy Spirit, they're going to be doing what God told them to do. I don't know about you, but that's very comforting to me. Very comforting. That makes life so simple. They're either doing what Jesus told them to do, or they're not. They're either bearing fruit, or they're not. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you bearing fruit? You either are, or you're not. That's very comforting. Incidentally, that helps. Because you can't say you have no purpose. So what does the comforter do, incidentally? Well, the Bible tells us in John 14, 26, But the Helper, or the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Well, we get a picture there of some of the things that the Holy Spirit will do. He'll teach us all things and bring all things to our memory. Whatever Jesus said. In other words, He teaches us about what Jesus said, and He brings to memory what Jesus said. What's comforting about that? What? are we supposed to be doing about that? So think about that for a second. He teaches us all things. What's comforting about that? Well, number one, if, if you become a Christian, your heart, desire, starts growing to know God. Amen? And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, there's something comforting about Him teaching you about Jesus Christ. In fact, there's something about learning the mind of God, learning the will of God, and learning to do what God has commanded us to do. And when we start doing that, we find ourselves comforted. And in this year, in this time, in this day and age, there's not much comfort anymore. But you can find comfort in Jesus Christ. You can find comfort in knowing and doing the will of God. And when we start 
surrendering to that, we find ourselves comforted to that. As Christians, we should be comforted in the fact that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things about Jesus. But what do we need to know about Jesus? Well, number one, we need to know this. He is the Son of God. He is not the son of another religion. He's not the son of Zeus. He's not the son of Allah. He's the son of Jehovah Jireh, the God of Israel, who sent his only begotten son for us. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's the one we say to and worship without apology. He teaches all things about Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died for us. He died for us. He resurrected for us. He lives again for us. He ascended up into heaven for us. Now He intercedes for us. And the Holy Spirit teaches us all about those things. The Bible also tells us that He brings to memory everything Jesus said. Can I ask you a question? You ever been in or about your own business? You ever been just through the day working with somebody and they ask a question and out of a sudden the Word of God pops up in your mind? You know what that is? That's the Holy Ghost. Be comforted in that. You ever been witnessing to somebody and out of a sudden you didn't know where you were going or where it was going to end up at, but a scripture just pops up in your mind? You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. My Bible says that He brings to memory all things that Jesus said. That's why you don't really need to worry about walking around with your printed out testimony. No, no, no. Understand that when the time comes, the Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. If He's living in you, now, if he's not living in you, you've got a problem. You've got a major problem. It's called a salvation problem. And it goes all the way back to the first thing we looked at. If you love me, keep my commandments. And we tell you right now, if you're not saved, you're not keeping any of them. Look with me in John 15, 26. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth is received from the Father, he will testify of me. Not only does he teach us all things about Jesus, not only does he bring the memory to things that Jesus said, the Bible says he testifies. Testifies of Jesus. In all those years of ministry, it never failed to amaze me. How many people will hold on to the back of the pew during the invitation? How many of them will harden their hearts saying, I won't go. He's not talking to me. He's not talking about me. God isn't for me. When deep down inside, the Holy Spirit is testifying to them that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the Savior that they need, the problem fixer they've been craving for, the one they need to save their soul. How many times did that happen? Did that happen to you right now? The Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. In fact, I wish I had time and time and time to go over what the Holy Ghost does. Let me tell you something about the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is not a force. It's a person. The Bible never refers to the Holy Ghost as it. Always a he. person. He's a person. He's a person. In fact, I believe he's the most ignored person in the church today. He's left out. He's pushed aside. And most of us think that people who had the Holy Ghost with them are some kind of weirdo. Don't we? Well, I guess it's bad to say. In fact, have you seen the poll that's out there? One out of three people are weird nowadays. Don't look to the look to person to your left. And look to the person to your right. If they look weird, then you're okay. But if they don't, then guess what? <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> 
actually the poll is one and two, y'all. <laughs> when the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. He's going to testify of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that testimony doesn't just come from us. It's in the world today. Have you ever been out and saw the genius of God's creation? And even atheists can't explain how it happened. They can't understand why it happened. But you see the genius of God in front of you. And the Holy Spirit begins to testify that there's only one who could have made that happen. God Almighty. Amen. He proceeds from the Father and He testifies of Jesus Christ. Look at me in John 16, 64. Remember, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter this morning, the Helper, if you will, the one who brings to us memory of Jesus Christ and the one who brings to our memory everything He said. He testifies of Jesus. He's around us. He's with us. He's in us. In fact, the Bible tells us that greater is He that's in us than He that's in this world. We need to remember that and we need to start putting that back to work in our lives, grabbing a hold of that Holy Spirit and letting Him have His way in our lives. Somewhere down the line, the church began to think that the Holy Spirit must be weird. People who get filled with it must be weird. Well, that's absolutely wrong. That's absolutely wrong. My Bible says that if you have Jesus in you, if you have God in you, the Spirit comes to live inside you. Do you remember that? That's why I believe that the moment you truly get saved, the moment you truly put Jesus in your heart, you have the helper, the comfort living inside of you. Look at me in John 16, 16, yes. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, Jesus has actually just told his disciples to believe. He told them he's dying, he's going to be on the cross, and for some reason, they have forgotten that Jesus is going to be resurrected. Jesus only told it to them a couple of times over the last three and a half years, but for some reason, they never remember that. Look at me in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paracletos, the comforter, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Have you ever noticed this about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ, all judgment has been given to the Son. The Holy Spirit's got several jobs. One of them is to testify about Jesus Christ. The other one is to convict the world of sin. Did you know that? Also to convict us of righteousness, of judgment to come. So in other words, it's telling you that there is a day of judgment coming. Jesus is the judge. You're a sinner and you need to get saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. In fact, it's better if I go away and send him to you. Look here in verse 8. When he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Think about that for a second. You sit in on a conversation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It might sound something like this. I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. You're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. In fact, the Father glorifies the Son. The Son does the absolute will of the Father. And the Holy Spirit convicts the world of the Father's will. Think about it. Always working in Jesus. Never stopping. Never breaking. Never becoming independent on its own. Yet, all three are one. Verse 9 is sin because they do not believe in me. Verse 10 of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And as the Baptist, many people ask me about verse 11. They want to skip verse 9 and 
eight and nine all the time, but they ask me about eleven. I judge it because the middle of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of the world at this time? The devil is. He's been judged. And Jesus is telling us he has no part with the devil. He's telling us that uh, Satan does his own thing, but he's been judged. You don't need to worry about him anymore. All you need to do is start obeying. All you need to do is start believing. All you need to do is start trusting. All you need to do is put God to work in your life. When you let go and let God, you're going to find out that God can do so much more with you than you ever could. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, says Jesus. You cannot bear them now. However, when he, once again, not a gift, not a force, it's not something you say, Lord, I need a double dose of the dose. No, 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 no. I need God. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Think about that. You know, the job of the Holy Spirit right there. He guides us into truth. He convicts us. He brings us to memory the things Jesus said. He teaches us about Jesus. The Apostle Paul says he teaches us what to pray. We don't even know what to pray. And this is all work of the Holy Spirit here. He'll guide us into all truth. Are you feeling this morning like you don't know where to go? You don't know where to turn? You don't know which direction to take? I want to advise you this morning as your pastor, you need to get saved. You need to get the Holy Spirit in your heart and let him guide you into all truth. Bible says he'll not speak on his own authority. And whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He hears what God the Father is saying, and he tells you what God the Father is saying. Verse 14, he'll glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to tell us what Jesus is thinking. I love that. I love that deeply. The Holy Spirit tells us what God is thinking. Tells us what's on God's mind. You ever said that before? Well, if I only knew what was on God's mind, you've got a chance right there, partner. You get to do it. From Scripture, this is what we learn from Scripture. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things about Jesus. Teaches us who He is, what He does. Teaches us what Christ Jesus paid for. Teaches us that in Him there is life eternal, that Jesus is absolute truth. Teaches us that He is the one and only way. Teaches us that He is the Son of the Father. He reminds us, the Holy Spirit does, of what Jesus said. Isn't it amazing? Now, no matter what's happening in your life, that no matter what or how bad it is, that scripture just pops up. You ever had that ultimate heartbreak in your life? You know, when that family member dies and you get up in the morning thinking, my heart will never heal. But you wake up in the morning and your heart is singing. It is well with my soul. Your heart is quoting the Scriptures because He reminds us of what Jesus said. That's what testifies about Jesus and Holy Spirit does. So when you get convicted sin, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit telling you Jesus is saved. The Bible tells us He convicts the world. He convicts the world. Go back to our original start. How is that comforting? How does that comfort me and you? Especially in the year 2022, when we have lost our collective mind. And we don't know where to go, what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know who's going to be offended or who's going to be canceled. And I'm going to share with you some things about how the Holy Spirit is comforting us and what He does in a believer's life. Comforting to us. 
fact. Some of you say, and I, I like to question my youth group all the time, what would you like to know if God would answer any question for you? What would you like to know? You know what most people say? You know what most people ask? They ask this. What are dinosaurs in the Bible? True? You'd be like, not me. If I had that opportunity, I'd ask something really great. You know what you'd ask? You know what most would answer you what? You know what I'd ask? If I really had the chance? Lord, why did you create God would say to feed the birds. That's the wind. They eat on me. He was like, well, you know what? Take yourself out of that area, pal. <laughs> I'm comforted in the fact that one day I'm going to know the answer to all this question. I'm also comforted in the fact that they're not going to be as important as I thought they were. What's going to be important is that I'm going to behold him, seeing him sitting on the throne, seeing his face. In fact, my Bible says one of these days we're not even going to have the sun or the moon anymore because he's going to be the light around the city. That's all that's going to matter is him. I'm going to know that. We think we know it now, but we don't really know it. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said. How that comforting thought. I'm comforted in the fact that the Holy Spirit brings to mind what Jesus said. In the most inopportune moment, I like to talk about when we're witnessing or when we're debating with somebody or when we're sharing our faith with somebody. But you know what else happens? When you have the Holy Spirit living in you? I know I'm preaching to the choir up here. But when you start to sin, does the Bible possibly remind you? How many of you know this book right here is teaching from sin? But sin will teach you from sin. In the most inopportune time, when you say, I'm going to do this out of a sudden, the scripture pops up and says, you ought not to be doing that. You're like, what did you do? I'm comforted because if that wasn't happening, I'm comforted that if I wasn't convicted, I'm comforted in the fact that he wasn't speaking to me, and I would not be. Are you hearing me this morning? If you don't have God's Spirit talking to you, convicting you, teaching you, revealing to you, reminding you of the things that Jesus said, then you have a relationship problem. That means you don't know. I'm comforted in the fact that when I get convicted, even though it hurts me, even though it makes me feel about a .5 inches tall, I know that's not much taller than I am right now. But I'm comforted in the fact that when he convicts me, If I weren't convicted, I would not be saved. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. We need to be comforted in the fact that He is the Son of God, that He died for us, that He rose again for us, that He's our sacrifice, that He's our everything, He's all we will ever need. In the years I spent as a Messianic, I used to debate with the Jews all the time about what was needed to be right with God, and they hated me for it. And the truth is, you don't need anything but the Son of God to be right with God. When you get a hold of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, you get a relationship with God the Father, you get a one-way ticket to heaven. Somebody say amen. That's all you need. All you'll ever need. The Bible also tells us the Holy Spirit predicts the world, and that's extremely comforting to me. 
That's really where we need to be this morning. That's really what we need to be talking about. We need to be comforted in the fact that the Holy Ghost convicts the world. And uh, it convicts the world. It amazes me how we can take the innocent creation of God, that perfect baby, and offer him up on the altar of abortion. It's amazing to me how we can do and not be convicted. How we can hear his or her innocent cry or watch them struggle and squirm away from the doctor's instrument to death. not be It's amazing to me how we can hurt one another, lie to one another, steal from one another, turn our love from one another, and not be Jesus told us, love one another. In fact, he told us, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you want to know what the commandments of Jesus are? Love one another. Amen. Love them. And when you start loving them, everything else falls into place. You got a love problem this morning? You got a Holy Ghost problem. You want some love in your life? Get a hold of the Holy Ghost. How do you get a hold of the Holy Ghost? Get a hold of Jesus. I'm comforted in the fact that the Holy Ghost convicts the world. He comforts me. I'm comforted when I'm convicted to the truth that I'm a Christian. I'm comforted in the fact that He convicts outside non Christians because He's telling them they need to sin. The Bible tells us in verse 8 there, when He comes, He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin. Simply put, sin, church, is Tells us in Romans 3 23, we're all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Every one of us is. So, what's the point of sin? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So, what is so important about convicting us about sin? Well, here's the deal of sin. When we realize that we sin, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. When we realize we're convicted, when we're convicted by it, when we're comforted in that fact that He's convicted of sin, we realize then that we've come short. We've missed the mark. God has a total different standard. If you were honest with yourself this morning and you were to look at just, would you say, I'm a good person? Most of us would, wouldn't we? I'm a good person. I'm doing well. I'm better than the average Joe when the Bible says all of us are sin and falling short of the glory of God. God's standard is completely different than our standard. God's standard is moral perfection. Morally perfect. I remember when I got saved, the overwhelming guilt 
I felt out of a sudden the weight of the world was pushing down on my shoulders and I was not strong enough to hold it no matter how strong I thought I was, how indestructible I thought I was. As I said earlier, I met Jesus in the field, not in the church. I went outside and I met him and in my feelings and in my heart, face to face, I spoke with him and he talked back to me and he let me know that it wasn't my standard of righteousness I needed to meet. It was his standard of righteousness and his standard was unattainable because I had already He'll also convict us of righteousness. Of righteousness. You see, I thought I was good enough. I thought that my righteousness was acceptable. I realized, though, when the Holy Spirit came upon me, that my righteousness was not enough. I began to see that my standard in God's standard was completely different. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 64 6 that we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Let me give you a modern-day translation of that. We are all unclean, like an unclean thing. The Bible doesn't tell us what that thing is, because you get to choose what that unclean thing is. You know that unclean thing it's talking about. You've already thought of it. It's already there. You know what it's describing. We're all like something completely unclean, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Fade is the leaf of the earth, and leaf in the book, and over time it begins to fade away, leaving only the veins of the leaf. Our righteousness and our accomplishment, our good deeds, begin to fade away. And all that remains is our iniquity. Like the wind that blows out of our good deeds away. The Holy Spirit reminds us that our righteousness will not last, it will not save me. Nowhere near what God requires. Holy Spirit has another job, though. Not only to convict us of sin and of righteousness, but of judgment that is coming. Of judgment that is coming. Somewhere down the line, the church could not complete the judgment. They laid it aside saying, Well, it's too offensive. <laughs> we need to get back to preaching. That's the whole reason why God commanded men everywhere to repent, but there is. Acts 17, 30, 31, the Apostle Paul is preaching. Look with me in verse 30. He says, Surely these times of ignorance God overlooked. For now, command all men everywhere to repent. Because he is appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, Jesus Christ, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to this of, by raising him from the dead. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Assures us there is a day of judgment coming. You might be sitting there before the saying, I didn't know about a day of judgment, but you know what? It is coming sooner than you thought. Apostle Paul began preaching to Felix and to his wife, Jerusalem. I want to share with you what happens here in verse 24 and 25 of Acts 24. The Bible says, After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Jerusalem, who was Jewish, 
sent to the Apostle Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, about self-control, you know, that sin that when we step out of that control, we miss the mark. Righteousness, sin, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. The Bible says, too, it's a refrain. And I like that one better to tremble, the Bible says. I find that to be far more effective in the Greek there, to tremble. We don't know how he trembled, whether he trembled inside in his heart, whether his bottom lip trembled. We don't know, but we do know the Bible says he was afraid. And he answered Paul and said, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I look call to you. You know what that translates to? What we've done many times. God, go away. Holy Spirit, go away. Jesus, go away. I don't want anything to do with you. You scared me. You frightened me. You caused me to tremble. You caused me to think. And I'll call for you when a convenient time comes. And we all know that never comes. They all say, well, maybe later. And that maybe later never comes. I want to ask you if you willing to come this morning. Perhaps this morning you've been convicted learning about the Holy Spirit, knowing that it's His job to teach us about Jesus. Knowing it's His job to convict us. Knowing it's His job to remind us. It's His job to bring righteousness to us. It's His job to show us and lead us in all truth. And perhaps you're saying this morning, I need to go. I ask you Don't be like Felix. Say, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You don't know. Tomorrow is what you're talking about. Maybe today. It's He's appointed. Have a word of prayer. If you've spoken to you, want to ask you to come. Keep your heart to you. Perhaps say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I'm not living right. I'm convicted, and I've been ignoring the Holy Spirit. He's been speaking to me, but I've been pushing him aside. You come today and repent, and get me with us and sit right with God. Perhaps say, Brother Josh, I need to be a part of a church where I can grow in a body of believers. If you're able to come this morning and be a part of what I can do by the church. Or whatever it is God is calling you to do, you can come and share that with us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Thank you for your word. It is quick and it's powerful. And it is sharper than you to it. And I pray right now that you will cut down into our heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring each and every person that's supposed to come this morning by the faith of Jesus' name. Would you come as we sing? Come on. But now be the time that you will be the Come on.
don't forget, tonight, 5.30, enemies within the church right here in the sanctuary. Come and be a part of that. Don't forget, 3.30 to 5.30, church outreach comes to conclusion right there. So pray for us and come and get uh, involved in that. Don't forget, youth group, uh, 6 o'clock, Tuesday night, Pastor House for the March chapter 2. Um, I think that's all the upcoming announcements. Oh, yeah, no service on Wednesday. Don't forget, choir practice right here in sanctuary at 4.30. So, Take that tip that's closing that word of prayer. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Don't forget, Monday at 11 o'clock, we're asking you if you are available to come and pray for our shoe boxes as they depart. But I'm going to ask you right now, as we finish our services today, to come and join me up here at the front. Let's lay hands on these boxes and let's pray and ask God to use them. Let's close in that word of prayer and then meet me up here. Brother um, Jill, would you close the prayer today? Join me up here if you can. 